What's up, everyone? Welcome to the 238th episode of the Pokemon Podcast. It's super effective. I am your host, SBJ, and with me today, I have Will. And I just ate a bag of Doritos. Mmm. Wow. I haven't had Doritos in about 10 years. And, the superior uh, chip. Well, I think I could have lived without them. Oh, man. Oh, man. We have I, like, I told you, I like cheesy popcorn better. Right, and then we, we discussed prior that this isn't a chip, but, but we have chip expert Travis here with us. I do like chips, however, I'm going to have to derail this convo. I'm, I'm afraid I have confession to make, friends. Can you do me a favor? Can you both just pull up the Bulbapedia page for Polywag for me? Just um, let me know when you're there looking at that Sugimori art near the, on the right side of the page there. Is, is this um, going to offend my sensibilities? It's going to make you hate me. It's not going to... It's going to make you very disappointed in me. I, I got the polywag up. I'm looking at it. You know how its mouth is like... Has the sort of round pink lips? Sure. Until very recently, I thought that was its nose. Uh, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could you possibly forgive me? I mean, you, I'm glad we've had this conversation. It's always good to learn something new about Pokemon, as, as I do every single day of my life. I get uh, told that I am wrong. <laughs> I thought that the swirl was a combo belly and mouth situation. I see, I see. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I was explaining this to Carly, my significant other, and she pointed out something else that I didn't know, which is that apparently... The top line of the swirl on on Poliwhirl and Poliwrath and I guess Poliwag as well. That's supposed to be what the mouth is, because you can see that Poliwrath Poliwrath is scowling, and that I didn't know either. So I just had a completely inaccurate understanding of this entire line of Pokemon that wasn't changed until I really paid attention to, and I assume this is in Poliwag's. 3D model in X and Y and Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire as well, but how often do you really look at a polywag? Uh, I didn't realize that that was the case until I was playing Pokemon Go and realized, oh, that thing I thought was its nose opens and closes. <laughs> and that's that's not it. So there's my. I hope our listeners can forgive me, and I hope we can all learn from this. And. Uh- well, I- that's that's this week's episode, so we'll we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> what were you gonna say, uh, Will? I was gonna say there's plenty of other qualified candidates for the position. People who have never questioned the mouth on a polywag. <laughs> that's true, that's true. We got a good episode for you guys today. We have uh, we're going to we missed episode four of Generations. And after last week's uh, 17-hour debate, uh, whether Yusin was a worthwhile character or not, we are going to talk about Lance and his Dragonite. And then we're going to tackle episode 7 as well, which just recently came out. So if you are enjoying the Generation Talk, or you at least don't want to feel lost for the Generation Talk, I would advise you to uh, catch up on that. YouTube.com slash Pokemon. You can go to YouTube.com slash PKM and cast too. I'm not going to stop you from doing that. But 
Uh, we also have some new Pokemon that were shown. You know, it, we, it, comes, it comes a time where we're all just very thirsty to get new Pokemon shown, and, and the Pokemon company hasn't shown us that many yet. So they went ahead and threw about 10 more in our lap here. And Nine. here's the thing, about all of them are awesome and good and great and happy. Yeah, yeah, totally. So we're going to get to that too. And then we have our Pokemon of the Week. We also have a little bit of news and a Pokemon Go update that we'll talk about. Before we do that, uh, how, are, how are things? I know Will is probably still running. Travis, are you still playing the Pokemon Go? I played it this morning before editing my other show. Still enjoying it? Yeah, it's same as last week. It's 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 a fun game i'm it's the for quite a while now the lack of variety of pokemon in my area has been getting to me but i'm still enjoying it i know at one point they they changed up all the areas yeah i think that was after and before travis right yeah right before travis started playing i uh, actually played pokemon go this morning too Surprise, well, surprise. I, I used my Pokemon Go Plus. I actually went to the art museum with Irene. She wanted to get out of the house. Pfft, who wants to go outside? So we went to the... And you couldn't stand art, so you had to bring your, <laughs> your video, your little Game Boy with you. Right, yes. Yes, I play Pokemon Go on my, uh, my Game Boy Pocket. <laughs> uh, we went to the Milwaukee Art Museum, uh, which, which I've been to a million times. It is... I mean, like, if you're in Milwaukee, I would suggest it's, like, one of the things to do if you don't like sports or beer. Uh, I like it's it a, a lot. Cool museum. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. And the, they do, I don't know if other museums do this, because obviously the art museum is the closest to me, and I, 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 I go to it probably two or three times a year. And they rearrange everything inside pretty frequently. So it's like, mm-hmm. oh, this piece over here is over here now, and there's these new pieces that I've never seen before. But you always have your staple pieces of like, okay, this piece is always here, this piece is always here. So they do a good job at, at moving stuff around and, and putting new pieces in or keeping pieces that I look forward to seeing. But I didn't want to be on my phone, of course, the entire time. So I turned on my Pokemon Go Plus, and because it's an art museum and because it's on the lakefront of Milwaukee, there's a bunch of Pokestops. I think there's two gyms. and and when there's a bunch of Pokestops, there's usually more Pokemon in that area, so it consistently went off the entire time. I did notice, however, that a Pokemon Go session lasts 30 minutes, and my session lasted for almost an hour and a half, uh, unless I read my clock wrong. It definitely lasted hmm. way more than an hour, so I know there was a recent update. I It definitely changed how Pokemon Go Plus works. I haven't looked into that yet, but yeah, I had the Pokemon Go Plus going, and it was... Nice to just, like, not have your phone out and, like, still kind of be playing the game, right? Because it just, like, vibrates and lets you know that, like, oh, something's here. And it's like, ah, it's probably a Pidgey or something. Not worth looking at. But if you're going to catch it, catch it for me. Do your little vibrate thing. Handle it. Uh, But, yeah. I totally dig the Pokemon Go Plus. Except, like, it did buzz a lot to the point where it was almost like, all right, calm down here. (laughs) Like, I should. does Does it buzz for other things other than Pokemon? It buzzes for Pokemon, and it buzzes for Pokestops. Mm. Obviously, the Pokestop's not going to fail unless somehow you get out of the radius quick enough. And if you're just walking, that's, that's really hard to miss. But yeah, it just buzzes for Pokemon. And then it buzzes when you capture it, or it buzzes if, you've, if you fail to capture it. That little cat-on-dog action right there. Cat decided it didn't like dog right there. 
This sounds like a car crash in your living room. Well, I'm in my bedroom for one thing, and it was just a dog barking. All right, all right. Will's pets, Will's pets are trying to recreate the the famous wop zip moment of <laughs> yes, which to this day is the funniest thing that's ever happened on this podcast. Mm, debatable. <laughs> It was pretty I good. I don't think it is. I think it is unconditionally the funniest thing that has ever happened on this podcast. And unfortunately, your your pets just don't have the vocabulary and, and vocal acumen to be able to recreate those sounds perfectly. So instead, it just sounded like a bark. I don't remember what episode Wop Zip was, but boy, did you? Who was it? Who was on that? Was it you two? It was. No, it was, I was defi- not on it. It was definitely me, and it might have just been you and I, or maybe it was Logan. Logan, Logan was on. It might have been Logan, and but you lost it, Travis. <laughs> because, and then I told you that you, uh, you're like, "Why are you laughing?" And I was like, "You just came back and yelled wop zip," and you're like, "That's not what I sounded like." And then I asked you later when you edited, it, and you're like, "You know, like, it was exactly wop zip, and it was really funny." <laughs> Yeah, because I was going to take it out, and I was going to take out the the dog battle that Will's, in, what happened in Will's bedroom, but <laughs> clearly we got to keep it in now. Will, besides your bedroom turning into a war zone, how was, how were things? I had a fantastic 12-mile run this morning, had great times on my splits, so I'm ready for the Marine Corps Marathon in two weeks. All right, break this down for me. How many miles is this Marine Corps Marathon? 26.2. Is that like, uh, what kind of sticker is that that you get to put on the back of your car? Sorry? Uh, well, I mean, I could <laughs> put a 26.2 sticker on the back of my car if I wanted to, but the last time I did that, we had a really heavy rainstorm and it came off, so now there's just kind of this dirt oval on the back of my car, Wait, so that's 20, not going to happen again. 26.2 miles. Yes. Aren't the stickers normally in kilometers? No. The stickers are always in miles. Yes. The K's. If you see something with a K on it, that's a kilometer. Right. I thought the stickers was always like 1.01 K or something like that. What? Nobody would ever do that. No. <laughs> hey, I could, I could actually do that one. Yeah. <laughs> I no, could some, do a 1 K. That's somebody something might, I could handle. Somebody might have a, like a 5 K sticker or a 10 K sticker because those are real race distances. Okay. But... Um, the next one you would see would probably be like a 30K. Wait, is Ks are less than miles? Correct. 30K less than 26 miles? It's a little bit between 26 and 30 miles. Okay. So you could put like, why don't they just call it a 30K? Why is it 20? What makes, what makes a race a race? No, what, what determines if it's a, if they're going to, Decide the races in Ks or the races in miles. Okay, so I want to just apologize or cry for the Milwaukee public school system right now. (laughs) Because literally every human being who has taken any kind of history class at a public school in the United States should know why a marathon is 26.2 miles. The distance between some place and... Mar- Athens and Marathon. You're not Something. doing justice for Michigan school systems over there. Hey, I, I got, th- I got there. I mean, it took me a little bit, but it's th- it's in the dome. I have to dig past a lot of information about Pokemon base stats to find it. But hey, it is there in the attic. Yes, it was during I believe the Peloponnesian War in Greece, 
And there was a runner who brought news from Marathon to either Athens or Sparta. I don't remember which one. But the distance between the two towns is 26.2 miles. Got it. So that's why a marathon is 26.2 miles. All right. All right. There you go. And you're running, you're, you're doing your final race the day I leave your, uh, your place. Correct. And what I'm not ready for is for you to come stay at my place. Oh, dear. Is it still a mess? Oh, it really is. I still haven't fixed the toilet. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already dreading this trip. I can give you the referrals to several fantastic hotels in the Washington, D.C. area that are completely booked because of the Marine Corps Marathon. Oh, I'm sure <laughs> they're also an arm and a leg because it's D.C. Um, not always, but... The thing, the thing for our listeners is I am extremely anal about things being clean. Like, even before I play... I'm, I'm playing Final Fantasy XIV, by the way, if anyone wants to jump on that. Before I play a game like Final Fantasy fourteen, I almost always have to like wipe down all the tables with I have glass like coffee tables and stuff with Windex and then vacuum and then like adjust the pillows on the couch and then I can play. Like the house has to be what I see when I'm sitting on the couch has to be clean for me to be there. And I know that Will is the complete opposite. absolutely my house is like if somebody was in like the boys dorm at some frat college room or something and those dudes just didn't care oh my i cannot handle this all right (laughs) i'll keep my mouth shut because i feel bad that last time i was just like we talked about this i was just like oh yeah will's place is kind of garbage and i realized later (laughs) that's Kind of an awful thing to say. Real mean, because it's not garbage. It's just like, right, right. The problem is, right. I live very completely alone, and I, I know you do as well, Travis. But you don't have the history of um, significant others living in your space and mm-hmm. then being chased out and they right. leave their things behind. Right. So, like the concept of I bring in a bunch of mail from the mailbox and I put it down on the table. That can pile up to huge levels before I notice and say, hmm, maybe I should throw all this junk mail away because you know what? I don't use that space ever. So (laughs) the mail can sit there. It's not bothering anybody. And what I what I guess what I mean to say is I'm sorry for that insensitive thing I said on the show, whatever (laughs) week that was. Well, I think it was last week. One thing I get from this program is low self-esteem. So you and me both, pal. That to go around. Well, the one person with high self-esteem is going to bring you some news right now. (laughs) Transitions. All right. First bit of news is Viz Media is to release the Pokemon Pocket Comics X and Y. Viz Media will be releasing these comics, uh, which is a four-panel comic uh, magna, manga, magenta. I can't say this word. Manga. It is a difficult sound to make with the mouth. Manga on December 6, 2016. Or maybe it's manga. I'm not sure. Manga. How do you say anime? Just like that. I say it cartoon. What about Haname? I've heard that say. Really? Yeah, yeah. I've heard Harambe, but not. (laughs) Excuse me? (laughs) And I watch a lot of anime. Um, I think in this country, it's perfectly acceptable to say anime and manga because we speak English. All right. Yeah, so if you like books, they're coming out, I guess. that's. I'm not going to dwell too much on that news, but I figured we... There are definitely people that like the comics, so... 
thought I'd bring that up. If uh, you like going to GameStop and you like getting sold on pre-orders, Pokemon has given you the opportunity to go. From uh, October... I think it's October... It doesn't matter. October 4th, October 1st. The date's already come and gone. I, uh, to like October 27th, I want to say, is you can get a code at GameStop for Volcanion. Volcanion. And you can also go to the Nintendo Network and go to Mystery Gift and get your Keldeo for the month. So no GameStop needed for that. Also, if you miss Darkrai, Darkrai, if you miss Darkrai, you can go to Mystery Gift, enter a code. I think it's Darkrai20. It's either Darkrai20 or 20 Darkrai. I should have looked that up. But either way, if you miss Darkrai, uh, you can still get it that month too. So you, you have an opportunity to get three legendary Pokemon. Wait, uh, isn't there a, a Hoopa code as well? Hoopa oh, 2016? Yeah. Yep, yep. Hoopa 2004 legendary Pokemon. Yeah, uh, Hoopa 2016. For sure, it's either Darkrai 20 or 20 Darkrai. I think it's Darkrai 20, though. Uh, the Volcanion at GameStop is level 70. This is the first time ever you'll be able to get Volcanion. You can get it on Pokemon X, Y, Omega Ruby, and Alpha Sapphire. It will, ho- it will be holding, I think, an Assault Vest? This is the worst article I pulled up because there's literally no information. <laughs> but the little card you get from GameStop has it uh, on it. I think it, I think they started October 4th. But yeah, um, I got all four of those Pokemon uh, recently. So I, I actually got the Darkrai code when it came out and I forgot to redeem it. So good thing they did the Darkrai promotion. Uh, otherwise, I was missing Darkrai. Are you guys up to have, date with your legendaries? Yeah, I have a secret pro tip for everybody. If you uh, become friends with Matt, who lives kind of near Salisbury, Maryland, which is on the Delmarva Peninsula, that dude will hook you up with some codes from GameStop, and you don't have to go to GameStop at all. You just be like, Matt, I don't feel like going to GameStop this time. And he's like, all right, I got you. <laughs> Wait, is he in Slack? Nope. Well, then he's my we'll... secret source. I'm not sharing him with all the Slack. Oh, I see. Your secret source of getting codes. Except he's not so secret anymore. <laughs> it's the source code. Oh. The code source. Pokemon Go is now available in parts of Africa. Uh, it has recently been released in 31 African countries. Uh, I'm going to save you guys the, uh, the butchering of African countries. Because I have already proven I can't say most English countries correctly. So... I don't know. I used to be able. I used to have every African country memorized with its location on the map. Well, I mean, fun fact about you, Will: you have a like a bachelor's in African studies, don't you? It's a component of my uh, bachelor's degree. Correct. Pretty cool. Uh, Piggyback. Thank you for your affirmation. (laughs) (laughs) Now, 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 Will's life is complete. Now that now that his bachelor's experience was affirmed. Right. Right. Uh, piggybacking off that news, Pokemon Go's new update has come out, and it has buffed the capture rates significantly. I'm pulling this article off Forbes because they reported on it, which, funny enough, they pulled the information from Reddit. Uh, Pokemon Go rolled out its latest update last week. While there is no buddy system type shift for the game, it did make important changes to both gym training and capture rates of certain Pokemon. Going to take a while to figure out how the gym scene develops now that training at your gym is easier, but the new capture bonus has really affected 
how the game plays right off the bat. The way the new system works is if that you caught X number of a certain type of Pokemon, you will see a buff to your capture rate. At the bronze tier, catching 10 of one type will get you a plus one capture bonus for a specific type. Catching 50 silver tier will get you a plus two, and catching 200, which is gold, will get you a plus three. Now, Did we break... talk about this last week? Yeah, I guess. I, w- I don't think okay. we went in, uh, in depth, oh, but sure. I'm, about to get, yeah. I'm about to get real number heavy here. Okay. Now, the exact catch bonus has been debated by fans. Pretty non-descriptive. Non-district- is it 3%? Is it 30%? What other multiplier it is? Uh, the only clue is that they discovered in the Italian version of the game that it does actually say 3%, but that could be some kind of localization issue. But if it is, it still might be the buff all the same. So adding 3% to the capture ba- base rate of Pokemon... Could have a lot of impact given the different amount of multipliers that gives you via special balls, berries, curveballs, the colored circles. Here's a bit of math. So if the base catch chance for a Pokemon is 10% and you have a gold medal, which is plus three, if the 3% is the correct number, uh, you can get a multiplier for a great throw, which is 1.5 times, a multiplier for a curveball, which is 1.25 times, multiplier for a raspberry is 1.25 times, Multiplier for an Ultra Ball is 1.5 times, which means your overall catch chance without a bonus is 35.2%. It's 10 times 1.5 times 1.25 times 1.25 times 1.5. Now, if we're adding the gold medal bonus plus what we've done, it actually brings... I can do the math again, but it brings it up to 45.7% chance to catch the Pokemon. Which is a 10.5 increase just because you've already caught 200 of a certain type. They broke it down for you guys. No one's excited. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, all it does is make, uh, what's his name, Gyarados easier to to get from all your Magikarp, the 200 Magikarp you're going to collect anyways. Yes, for all of the wild Gyarados you're going to find. Good (laughs) luck on that one. No, because... You're going to catch tons. Oh, yeah. Wait. Because Magikarp is already the easiest. Is it the easiest to catch? Yes, it has the highest capture rate next to, I think, then Caterpie and Weedle, then like Pidgey and Rattata. I haven't even seen that many Magikarp. Well, Unless just wait till you come to my water. house. Got a million of them? spawned by water. Yeah. Like pretty much all water type Pokemon. There's <laughs> a historic fountain in the center of my community, and there is always a Magikarp there. It might Perfect. be a nest. Finally, the magic carp nest I was looking for. All right, so we got two big segments. Maybe it won't take us an hour to get through these two episodes, but what, what we're going to do is we're going to take a break. Then we're going to do the two Pokemon Generation episodes. And then after that, we're going to talk about the new Pokemon. And then after that, we're going to do our Pokemon of the Week. So we will be right back. And we are back. From our break, talk about some Pokemon Generations. We actually missed episode four. That was the uh, that was the weekend I recorded on Thursday, the day before episode four came out, because I had to go to Minnesota. Do you guys have anything you want to recap for the hot debate off episode five and six? Out of out of all the things we recorded in the past year, I feel like the debate over you seen was probably the, the hottest topic in Slack. 
Oh, and, and on Twitter, we got a huge response to, like, how wrong you were and how right I was. Okay, let's back up a second. Yeah, it's, 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 it's weird that you're using the singular first-person pronoun on that one when... Uh, I had a, if we were, I had a number if we were, of people say Will is right, Steve is wrong. I, where did you see that? I I did see, I did see that too. Not included. I, I think want to take some credit. I think it's funny because first off, you can't be right or wrong for liking something. Uh, so, oh yes, you can. So, <laughs> secondly, I would easily say that Travis had a pretty compelling argument and Will's argument at the time was that's oh, art let's move on no what I think is there. interesting and it's something you pointed out on Twitter and on Slack man apparently I picked the right one thing about the Pokemon anime to like ever because I hate all the rest of it and no one has <laughs> and no one has ever <laughs> Really I don't yelled at me for that, <laughs> but this one time I definitely picked the right team because you got a lot of crap for not liking that episode. Uh, one detail that I do want to point out is that when we said we didn't get the ho oh feather, we understand that it's the rainbow feather, but I think... Yeah, we all understood when, that. When we said it didn't really say anything to us, we meant... It didn't add to this story very much other than just making an arbitrary connection to the game. Right. And that that statement there doesn't make sense because that whole episode is based off of a very important part of the game. So to say that, oh, the feather is the rainbow feather. Well, yeah, duh. Of course, it's the rainbow feather. To say that it's just tying it back to the game. What We watched four minutes of tying the, <laughs> the thing back to the game. So yeah. I actually looked into the Rainbow Feather, and if you read all of like Ho-Oh's uh, Dex entries or his or his be- being, it's pretty much that the a feather from Ho-Oh, which the Rainbow Feather pretty much is, uh, means that you're a pure enough trainer that you have the heart uh, to actually meet Ho-Oh or to be worthy enough to approach Ho-Oh. That's the whole point of why it exists in the game. You get it so you can actually finally meet Ho-Oh. So to me, the episode said that Yusin is pure of heart. And I think that that episode does show that. It shows him not understanding why the city is revolting against these Pokemon because he right off the bat understands that they're special and then he spends his his life chasing Suicune and caring and so that feather shows that he would be acceptable to ho did i do okay with that yeah yeah i think so and i think you're you're and i think that Whatever. I, I I still say that it doesn't really say a lot in, uh, regarding the story because the connection is with Yusin and Suicune. There's never really been a connection between Yusin and, and Ho-Oh. And if there is, it's only established in this short, and it doesn't really make that very explicit or explore that in a very meaningful way. So I... I stand by my statement that that particular detail doesn't really say much to me even though i do like the short on a whole as a whole yeah and i i think my my point got a little lost uh which is no surprise because i i go in every every direction but the 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 two takeaways i had is 
didn't like Yusin as a character, and I thought that they spent too much time on Yusin, and that is that can be debated forever, right? Like some people would say, "Well, more time Yusin." Some people say, "Yeah, too much time on Yusin," and that helped that swayed my opinion and not enjoying it as much as other episodes. And we'll get to a, a certain character in a future episode that that is the complete polar opposite for me. And the second part is that it, it's funny because I, I don't have this copy up, but uh, when I showed you guys the copy of what Pokemon Generations was, it, to summarize, it's like to expand and to clarify parts of like the lore and parts in the game or whatever. When they showed the three dogs and Ho-Oh and stuff, I liked that story a lot. And I, I definitely said that last week. My problem was it didn't answer questions to that story I enjoyed so much. Instead, it left me with more questions. questions. And yeah, though that, 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 those were my two takeaways from that episode. But yeah. again, there I are... think if you if you and what you're referring to about the, the copies, the press release that you got when they announced Generations, it says and and I didn't even realize it till you showed me it says that the point is to ex- I don't remember the exact words but it says something about exploring details in the pokemon world uh, previously obscure details or something like that and i think if you judge that episode by that criterion it doesn't do that but i think that that criterion is not a really interesting way to to appreciate me and for me personally adding detail to a world doesn't mean much to me so that's why this one out of all of them has been the one that's spoken to me because it's has more emotional depth than the than any of the other ones um more emotional and thematic depth than any of the other ones so it's interesting that i, I guess it I guess it's a testament that with the vast majority of these, they are doing what they set out to do. I just don't happen to find that to be a very compelling mission. (laughs) So the one time they fail at doing it is the time I think it's good because they're actually doing something cool. (laughs) It's art. It's It's art. art. Let's move on. All right, let's move on. Uh, episode four of Generations is the Lake of Rage, with the rumors of a Red Gar- Gyarados rampaging in the Lake of Rage. Uh, Lance of the Elite Four decides to investigate. This opens with Dragonite and Lance, uh, and one of Pokemon Generations' favorite thing to do in the animation is to break through a wall. Yeah, uh, this is another <laughs> wall breaker. <laughs> uh, cleverly hidden behind the wall is a slide, because... When I build a hidden entrance, I use the form of slides. Yeah, you want to make sure that it's completely useless when trying to exit out of that right. way. Right, exactly. Yeah. We go to a flashback uh, after we, our heroes taken, took the slide down of a Dragonite battling the Red Gyarados. The only takeaway here that I really wanted to point out is how big Gyarados is compared to Dragonite. Uh, yeah, but I don't think Dragonite is supposed to be that large, except for in that one cartoon episode where they first had the Dragonite. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's like the size of a mountain. <laughs> I, it might yeah. be. It might also be that the Red Gyarados is a special case that's larger than most Gyarados. But I think generally that ratio might might hold. And while you talk, I'll I'll look it up and we'll see. I uh, every, every Pokemon is special. 
I remember Pokemon the first movie, and I remember Gyarados being in the fountain and not being as big as they showed it here in Generations. But to continue the story, we see Lance and Dragonite running through the tunnel. They run past a Persian statue, which is actually a, a trip alarm to notify Team Rocket that they're there. I, I think that's one of the subtle, like, of course a Team Rocket place would have Persian statues because Giovanni, of course, and to turn that into, like, this is our one of our tools to spy. I just think that's a, a nice little use of the universe. Uh, we have grunts just sitting around. They are alerted that Lance is coming. They already identify him as part of the Elite Four. They also see on a different camera that Silver, I'm sorry, not Silver, Gold, the one of the trainers never ever talked about, uh, Gold is approaching the other way. This is the part of the episode I don't like. We have Team Rocket walking casually, casually and I don't know what the word is for it. But no one walks with their slouch backwards. Yeah, yeah, they're all like crooked and not. I, I really would like to ask the artist what their intent was in drawing the Team Rocket grunts as like almost like they had some bone deficiencies or some it, sort. It looks like, you know how in it's mostly in 3D animation where you can just uh assign oh, i guess it's only in 3d animation where you can assign an animation cycle to any model and then people do silly things where they they download roadhog's model from overwatch and then they assign widow makers animation so he's like being all sneaky even though he's a large man and it, everyone has a big laugh and it's very funny because the large man does the small person things. It looks like that. Yeah, it yeah, looks like <laughs> these animations were designed for diff- people of vastly different proportions. It's Have almost I, like <laughs> I think the intent is to just make them appear to be like lackadaisical and cocky, and they're like, "Oh, who's this dude who's invading our for it? We're gonna, we're Team Rocket. We're gonna get him with our." muck magnemite <laughs> i would i would i would totally agree with you if if the scene prior didn't make it seem like they were already like oh my gosh lance is here like they yeah. already seem like we're screwed and then they come yeah. off like really cocky it, it's almost like i'm watching the opening of the walking dead here and instead of zombies it's team rocket walking forward well, much like the Moratori, once you know you're at your end, you strike a different pose. <laughs> All right, the other part that I don't like is there are clearly four of them holding four Pokeballs, yet five Pokemon <laughs> come out. Wait, what, what were the five Pokemon? So they throw four Pokeballs. You watch all four of them throw, and we see a Raticate, a Magnemite, a Grimer, a Crobat, and a Houndoom. Mm. And they 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 only throw four. They show all four in animation. Just in a little thought, in- inconsistency I didn't like. I thought the Houndoom came from a different person. Hmm. Because there was like a Team Rocket leadership position guy who like came out from behind the data banks when they were looking at all the electrodes that were powering the beam that was making the Gyarados enraged. I thought he had the, like, the Houndoom. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, four Rocket Grunts there, five Pokemon. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. I just thought it was, like, 
who threw the fifth Pokeball, guys? Come on. Hey, hey, hey. For the amount of money we're paying for these, I want consistency. That's true. Right, right. I will butt in to say that Garrett, or sorry, Dragonite is seven foot three inches or 2.2 meters, and Gyarados is 21. Did I say that wrong? Let me start over. Dragonite is seven foot three inches or 2.2 meters, and Gyarados is 21 foot four inches or 6.5 meters. So Gyarados is just about, or or maybe a little over, I guess, or no, a little under three times the size of Dragonite, the height yeah. at least. Yeah. Oh, uh, there's no debate if if Gyarados is bigger. That that that's clear. It just Gy- Gyarados yeah, it, looked it, really big in that yeah, scene. Yeah, it's, it's it's probably too big for that ratio, but. The Pokemon anime in any of its incarnations isn't exactly known for its consistency to in-game height statistics. Right, right. Uh, We see Lance, Sick, Dragonite on these five Pokemon. Obviously, I, I no debate here in battle of, you know, good old Raticade trying to take out a Dragonite, especially an Elite Four Dragonite. We have the whole Charizard fire animation that they use to take out all the Pokemon. Uh, Magnemite gets the short end of the stick here, and there's a tail slam that throws them all off the edge. Following, again, another thing that these animators love to do is Dragonite doesn't break down one door in this episode, but two doors uh, into the science lab. And we see a bunch of electrode being used to power... The generator, and I'm sure this guy has a name, Grunt Admin. I'm not sure what his name yeah, is. That's that's it. Yeah, team team Grunt Admin. There you go. Uh, he sends out a wheezing, and really a missed opportunity here. Wheezing does smog. Lance just covers his mouth with his cape because that makes somewhat sure you can your cape has filters in it. Out of all the moves for Dragon Knight to do. He does this very lackluster thunderbolt from his antennas to take out the wheezing. I don't know. You're a dragon-type Pokemon. Do a dragon-type move. Did he do a single dragon-type move during the whole thing? He did fire fist? No, he did flamethrower, tail slam, and thunderbolt. There weren't a lot of great no. dragon-type options in Gen 2. When, when he punched a hole through the wall, oh, that was yeah, like yeah, flame yeah. punch. Sure, right. I was I was just thinking of moves to other Pokemon. I don't... I feel like I've said this before. I do not like when Pokemon's attacks hit the other person, if that makes any sense. Like, okay, Team Rocket Admin Grunt set out a Weezing. How is it any... How is it acceptable for Dragonite to not only Thunderbolt the Weezing, but to Thunderbolt the trainer as well? He's a bad guy. Yeah, but if you're you're an elite four, like do it the right way. You're going to arrest them regardless. Why do you need to thunderbolt them? Uh, the elite four are not a police force; they're a punishment force. I don't think and they, they are. dish out the punishment. <laughs> I mean, if you stay through to the end of the episode, he stands by and watches while all the released electrodes also electrocute the guy. So yeah, I, like Lance doesn't actually like arrest him he just tells him to scram or to get out which i think is like clearly the issue here is that team rocket stole these pokemon 
They're using these Pokemon to gather electricity. This guy should go to jail. Why are you just letting him leave? How many jails have you seen in the Pokemon world? You know, you don't know how many jail-specific islands there are in Alola. There are no jails <laughs> in the world of Pokemon. Everybody gets extra chances. Maybe. Uh, we see Lance communicate back to Gold. We have no clue what Gold did. Obviously, you as a trainer probably know by playing the game, but that wasn't communicated at, uh, at all during the, the anime. To me, this just felt like, uh, well, we got to include Gold somehow, so let's show him running on camera and let's show him smiling through communication. Uh, Dragonite trashes the... Is this a... This isn't a power plant. Is it? No. No, they, they have the signal that's making the Gyarados enraged. Right, right. I, I can't remember where in Gold and Silver this was. I will say the animation of Dragonite breaking through the glass was really fantastic. Uh, really well done. Probably my favorite part of the episode. Uh, all the electrodes looking super happy. Uh, they look real great. I like Electrode a lot. For as simple as a Pokemon that is, the way they were able to, like, just the facial expressions that Electro can get across really go a long way. They electroc electrocute Team Admin Grunt. I don't understand how he can survive <laughs> two electrocutions, even though his Weezing can only survive one. Clearly has more HP than his own Pokemon. And then Gyarados seems happy, I guess. I don't know, Lance. You got like 30 Gyarados. You don't need another. He's, he's calm, not necessarily happy. Sure. <laughs> and it's, it's Team Rocket Admin, not Team Admin Grunt, because that's just hilarious. Team Admin Grunt Rocket Guy. <laughs> Purple hair. Team Admin, new villains for the next Pokemon game. They just want to bureaucratize the entire world. <laughs> <laughs> it's an okay episode. I, I mean, I, I, I don't care for it. Gosh forbid I, if I said I don't like it because I'll get a bajillion tweets, but it's... It's bad and it does nothing and it just you just see some Pokemon shoot some beams at each other. And then an electrode smiles in a fun way, and then it's over. That's all that happens. It, it does exactly what it intended to do, which was to show uh, Dragonite tearing Bulbasaur's up. I don't find that, that intention to be very compelling. <laughs> well, just because it's not compelling to you does not mean it's not compelling to Mom and Pop, Joe and Jane America. Okay. Hey, I'll, hey I'll, listen, I'll, I'll... Mr. Art School, the reason commercial things are successful is because people like them. No, 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 so no. I like plenty. I like back to school. I like plenty of commercial things. I've liked the vast majority of the Marvel movies, and those things are as commercial, the most vapid commercial things you could possibly think of. And I, I love a lot of those movies. I don't. I see this, and I, and never am I wowed, completely blown away by the spectacle. I'm never. I never think, whoa, that's cool. And if that's what they're going for. They don't do a very good job. And, it, and I don't think so. First of all, I think the if, if you're making something purely for the intention of looking cool, you almost never succeed. So I think that's why that's more why I don't really respect that intention. If you're purely trying to just make something cool, it's probably going to just end up feeling vacuous like this does. Coolness yeah. is always a byproduct of trying to do something that is actually admirable, and it happens to look cool along the way. I, I, I think there to... are moments that look cool in, 
episode seven, which we're going to review later, I think there are some really cool visuals there that did make me go, whoa. And that never happens here because it's purely just, hey, wouldn't it be cool if Dragonite fought five Pokemon? And I don't really find that to be that inspired of a way to make interesting visual communication. So I, I want you to just envision this. You're a talented 16-year-old animator. Somebody's asked you to animate a four-minute short about Dragonite, and you're rocking out late night to Coheed and Cambria, drinking Mountain Dew, and eating Doritos. I think you get exactly what episode four was. I, I don't know. I agree with Travis on a lot of, of a lot of points here. And I think what the episode accomplishes, probably first and foremost, foremost is uh it's an episode focused on lance which people like like people like lance a lot i think that lance was the wrong the wrong elite four slash champion in the wrong time because this was before there were more than six different types of dragon pokemon and his uh we talked about how his the pokemon he uses in battle are a little limited and or are not dragon type but why put lance in this situation it doesn't make Lance look any better than how we've seen him before. It doesn't give us any new characteristics of Lance. Uh, I feel like we've all known that Lance is... He's good enough to be the last Elite Four member. He is good enough to be the champion. He is obviously a Dragon-type trainer and we know from the lore and from the pokemon universe that dragon type is the hardest type of pokemon to raise even that's mentioned time and time again with iris in generation five the the anime and the game so we kind of know all of that and the episode doesn't unwrap anything else about lance besides that he has a really powerful and really loyal and a really uh confident dragonite which i feel like is already kind of a given Clearly, if, if, if you're a Dragon-type trainer and you've, you're the Elite Four member, you probably have a pretty confident Dragonite. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, they start the episode and end the episode with the Red Gyarados, and the, the subplot here is we need to make Red Gyarados better. And you almost think going in, great, this is an episode about Red Gyarados, and Red Gyarados is a very big part of Gold and Silver, but they don't really spend any time on that. Instead, it's a Lance-focused episode, and it doesn't do any worthwhile moments with Lance besides, quote-unquote, looking cool, which I agree with Travis. I don't think it really did anything that great. Pretty much any battle in the main anime looks cooler than this, <laughs> right? And if, and if we're saying that, if we're judging it based on does it do what it's trying to do, i.e. make something that looks cool, I don't think it does. And I think it doesn't do that because if you're just trying to make something that looks cool, it's going to look like you're just trying to make something that looks cool. And that's not cool. And then the does it do what the press release set out to do? Does it expand upon key moments in the game? Does it answer questions about stuff we already know? Not really. Yeah, that's a good point. We know that the intention is not just to look cool. We, as much as I hate what the press release says that they're trying to do, it, it doesn't do what they're trying to do. It, it does, because in the game, when you're doing these raids on like Team Rocket headquarters and Team Rocket like forts and stuff, basically all you do is you wander around until you walk into one of the Team Rocket people and you battle them and then you go on to the next spot. And then there's usually like a maze that you have to figure out. 
And then you get to the last final boss. And so this makes it look like there was actually, as opposed to a turn-based game going on, there was actual continual action happening while you were making your way through the Team Rocket base. You're right. So that expands on key moment of the game. Yeah, that's a fair point. I will say it does expand on the fact that when I build a hidden pathway, I'm absolutely using a slide and not stairs. That was a question I've had for 20 plus years, and it's finally been answered. For the in part, the out part, you do something different. You do a slide out. See, the the episode left me with more questions. How do you get out? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there, there are... There are other episodes that I liked more than four. I would even say I liked six more than four only because, again, I like the story of Ho-Oh and I like the story of the dogs and I like that piece of Pokemon history. This just seemed like you raiding Team Rocket and you've already done that in the game. So to put that into animation doesn't feel special. Doesn't feel like, oh, I'm getting something a little extra here. It's just, oh, I've done this. I've done this, and there's not a lot of feeling tied to that. I mean, maybe people thought it was a big deal to take out Team Rocket. I don't know. Doing it a second time in a row in Gold and Silver didn't feel as as great uh, that it did in 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 the first games. It doesn't. It's not a very inspired execution of that either. It, the encounters between the Pokemon, despite not lasting very long, feel pretty slow because it's just shooting beams at each other and then in one attack it's over and and i feel like pokemon has done better with battles both in pokemon generations and in the main series anime i think if the point of this is to have cool looking battles it doesn't really do that all right let's uh move on to episode seven which is titled the vision The subtext here is when an uninvited guest breaks into their headquarters, Team Magma must race against time to make their ambitions a reality. This opens right away with uh, Team Magma. Let me just stop here. I want to point out to everyone that this is another door that gets broken. I I also want to warn everyone this is another episode about a raid on a team's headquarters. So most likely similar arguments to the last one. I think this one does it better, though. Uh, Yeah, I don't want to put the cart before the horse here, but this episode does everything episode four does better in every way. And I guess we'll get to that as I break down this episode. We see Sceptile and Brendan. Is that who who it is? Yep. This is when when Pokemon has realized, ah, we're making more than two games. Maybe we should have our trainers have real names. We're running out of colors, guys. Hmm. Brendan running in with Sceptile. Uh, again, we have this security cam, which I'm, I'm actually kind of glad we skipped episode four because, yeah, to Will's point, this is almost the same exact episode, just in a different generation. Uh, who would have thought generation three has a better premise than generation two in this aspect? Uh, we see Brendan walking in with Sceptile on the security camera. We see a gold back getting, getting there to stop it. And right off the bat, the... Slam that Sceptile does quickly that takes out Goldbat is way cooler than anything Dragon Knight does in episode four. It's funny because it is similarly over in a second, but the battles in this, that one especially, have a sense of this sort of quick assassination lethality to them that that you don't 
typically see and displayed in a Pokemon battle. And the same goes for Sceptile's battle in a second of Mighty Eno, which you'll get to. Right. But how unrealistic when it has... Uh, Golbat has double type effectiveness over Sceptile. Realism is I think, a I think misguided this... <laughs> endeavor. I think this just shows that Brendan is a better trainer than Lance. <laughs> I, and I'm joking there, but in reality... There was no sense of urgency in, in episode four. It almost started with a sense of urgency of Lance breaking through the door with Dragon Knight going down the slide and then Team Rocket going, we have intruders. And then all of a sudden, that sense of urgency is sucked out of you because you have zombie Team Rocket walking casually up to Lance and Lance casually causing t- telling Dragon Knight to defeat these Pokemon. And he does. Where this is... Not only Brennan and Sceptile running as fast as they can, but Sceptile completes his move, looks super good, takes out Goldbat, and they keep moving all together. And it, you don't lose that sense of like, okay, like they know that, the, that they have to stop Team Egma before this happens, where in episode four, it's almost like Lance and Dragonite are like, okay, we need to get in here and stop it. And once they get in, they're like, well, we're here. So let's, you know, take our time. Looks like Team Rocket has a coffee machine back in their, uh, their security room. You want to grab a cup real quick? All right, cool. <laughs> I, I know some of the characters of Team Magma. Obviously, I've expressed that, you know, Generation 3 is not my favorite generation. I, I think this is Maxi. Correct. And Correct. that uh, Aqua is Archie. Mm-hmm. But I'm unfamiliar with the larger set guy next to Maxi, who actually kind of has more screen time than Maxi. Tabitha. Tabitha. Yeah, it, it's a lady. Oh, really? It's it's not really explicit, which is unfortunate. But a lot of a lot of fans speculate that that Tabitha is a trans woman in the Pokemon series, which I would say it's very unfortunate that they don't just say it. It frustrates me when you have characters that are just like, what is the, the point of insinuating something like that without just having that be the character? Um, a lot of Pokemon fans would also say no Tabitha is a guy, but I also feel like that's a less interesting interpretation of the character, (laughs) especially since the person's name is Tabitha, which is, I mean, Guys can have traditionally feminine names, but to make the creative decision to name this character Tabitha and to give that person a lot of other qualities that might insinuate that their gender identity is at least closer to women than men. Like, like if you're going to make all those decisions, that was probably the intention of the creators, although it's unclear. Okay, cool. Good to break that down. So Tabitha seems to be the... I almost want to say like the 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 main henchmen. Yeah, sort of like right hand person. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like the uh I'm I'm trying to think of like the only thing that comes to mind is the 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 Igor guy in Frankenstein. Yeah, that's a good comparison, yeah. <laughs> is it Igor? I think it's Igor. In Frank yep. in Frankenstein, yes. <laughs> so we have this uh like heavy rock music going on. I actually turned on the sound for this just because I, I wanted to hear Tabitha's voice again. And we see Maxi approach Courtney. Now, you guys are probably like, oh, Steve knew Courtney's name. I'll tell you why I know Courtney's name. Because 
and we'll get to this. I liked Courtney's character so much that I looked up who she was and a little more history about her, which is the complete opposite that I felt with Yusin. Uh, there was nothing about Yusin that was compelling to me as a character. Uh, and I'll get to the character stuff in a bit here, but uh, I've gone on record saying I care more about the Pokemon stuff except, uh, instead of the character stuff, but Courtney is an exception, and I'll, I'll get to why. Maxi uh, is telling everyone to listen up. They got everything. Uh, they have everything planned. Everything's good to go. They're getting ready. They're boarding a giant, what is that, a core fish submarine? I'm pretty sure it's a camera head. Oh, is it? Yeah. That doesn't make they're any sense. About, they're all about the ground. But camera up can't be a submarine. It would, according to you. Let's back up a second. Don't let your dreams be dreams. Agreed. I'm pretty sure it's a core fish. It is certainly not a core fish. Look at the eye. Wait, what does core fish evolve into? Crawdnut. What generation is this? Hoenn. Okay, definitely Crawdnut has some blue. It has a star on his head. I don't know. I think it's a core fish. Yeah, the, the totally the eye. I see the eye. But like, look at cor- it's the same colors as core fish. All right, I just looked at it again. Maybe I'll give that to you. I just don't know why magma magma would have anything fishy when they're all about the ground and expanding the ground. That's a good point. Well, I'm I'm glad we have that settled. <laughs> yeah. So the grunts are loading onto the giant submarine. Courtney attempts to jump on the submarine. Maxi says, no, you have to wait here. We get this facial expression from Courtney of, am I not good enough to be on the submarine? And I like that a lot. I like that that we get so much character in Courtney just based off her facial expressions alone, Mm -hmm. which I think is just great. Uh, We go back to Septile against Mydena, another short battle. Maxi then states that Courtney's job is to stop the trainer and that is why she's not boarding the submarine she's very satisfied with that answer again facial expressions carry this story and i think and i think later whoever that voice actor is does a good job with her line readings too you you get the sense that this is someone who has been really taken by the almost religious or cult-like fanaticism of of Team Magma. This this is an idealist who really believes in quite literally the vision of Team Magma. Yeah. Yes. Definitely get conveys a cult atmosphere. Yep. Now Travis, I know you didn't like Gen 3. Will you obviously played Gen 3. I, I feel like it's also one of your least favorites, but do they convey that in the game? The the cult atmosphere. The remakes do a lot more especially with Courtney and Tabitha in that respect who are basically not really even characters in Ruby and Sapphire I get kind of I think they feel a little more culty in Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire whereas they felt more like ideologues in the original Ruby and Sapphire they felt like radical political organizations without that religious tinge i would say and this is purely from from memory it's been a while since i played omega ruby and alpha sapphire and certainly a long time since i played ruby and sapphire so my characterization could be incorrect but that's my memory 
if there's one thing that Generations has done for Team Rocket uh, these last couple episodes is to really show, at least in my eyes, show that the Team Rocket grunts, while they are looking for the leadership of Giovanni, they see it more as like a job, especially in the scene where they're just like sitting, lounging around watching security cameras. Like, this is our job. This is what we do. This is what we get paid for. Whereas in this episode, Team Magma really seems very, not religious, but definitely culty. Like, this is our idea. This is, this is our plans. This is what we subscribe to. This is what everyone here subscribes to for the greater good of what we're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. We see silhouette of uh, Septile and Brendan walking forward. Again, they don't really focus on the character themselves besides acknowledging that they're there. Maxi loads into the submarine, of course, and Courtney's line of please save the world, leader Maxi, again, I think goes a long way. I think it just shows more character than any character up to this point in Generations. Does she say please save the world or please change the world? Ooh, let me replay. She says, I love the pretty red lights. Please change the world, leader Maxi. Yeah, they have no interest in saving the world. They want to remake the world in their image. Right. So again, uh, it just reestablishes the the almost brainwashing that Courtney has to Maxie. We get the little uh, Star Trek uh, preview here of everyone doing their job <laughs> on the submarine. <laughs> I don't. I'm not sure what they're. Again, I I I always played the Sapphire version. So I didn't get the the whole story here with Magma, but their goal is to drill into something underwater? Oh, no, they had to bust open the undersea cavern to expose access to, um, to not Kyogre, wow. Groudon. Groudon. That, that's what they believed was necessary. Uh, we go back to Courtney. Again, almost like hallucinating, being very into subscribing to this uh world and again i think this this is courtney's vision which i think is which is one awesome that they're showing groudon in a way where it's a vision of what she thinks is going to happen but two also giving us the ability to show groudon without actually putting that in a in a a storyline aspect i think i said that poorly but we're so used to getting flashbacks or to getting like this is what happened 10 minutes ago, but we are just putting it out of order for the sake of keeping the story interesting. Uh, this is the first time where we're getting something that actually doesn't happen because Courtney's uh, envisioning it. <laughs> True. Sorry, sorry, I was, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what to say in response to that. <laughs> uh, so the vision is Groudon coming out of the ground, Team Magma running up to it, and then Groudon being so powerful and just destroying team magma in like pretty much one foul swoop and also blowing up the lands around it and can i stop you there because that some of those visuals of of especially the wide shots the the you know there's this wide shot and then you see groudon's attack strike the landscape in two spots and you see two very colorful explosions I responded to that. I thought, whoa, those are some cool 
explosions <laughs> that look cool. So I just want to submit that as evidence that I am not that the fact that I went to film school doesn't mean I'm immune to things that look cool. I think <laughs> this is a perfect case study because this is an episode where they're trying to capture the sense of and you know, I don't even really like Gen 3, but the the plot urgency that is introduced in Gen 3 and not really seen in previous generations that then gets carried on in further generations, especially in regards to the villainous team. There's always the sense that when you're facing off the villainous team, it's this sudden immediate break from the action, which you kind of get with Team Rocket, but not quite. But this immediate break from the action that suddenly has dire consequences for the entire region and you need to rush in and save the save the day. And I think the quick pace of the battles in this episode, the sounding alarms, and then the cataclysmic imagery that you see with Groudon communicates that very well. And it happens to look cool because they weren't just trying to look cool. They were trying to capture a specific tone, and I think they do that pretty well. I would still say that doesn't really do much other than capturing a tone, and I expect more out of my media than just being style over substance, but I'll take it over the more boring episodes that are neither style nor substance. (laughs) I think it's great, and I don't even think you see this out This episode has so much going right for it. It's so good compared to everything. Like, it is the best episode of Generations in a storytelling and in a visual aspect. And even... Uh, Six looks so cool and actually says... I still like Six the best. It's so good for character development. It's so good for Pokemon development. It's so good for the generation. uh, That being Gen 3. And it's good in, like, just the overall lore of of this part of the world and even in normal tv shows and normal movies they never really show or branch out to the point where courtney is so behind magma she is so dedicated to this team yet while she is waiting for brendan she sees the she sees how magma can fail and not a lot of mediums do that like a lot of mediums will just show that oh the bad guy was naive or the bad guy didn't see this or the bad guy didn't see that and that's why they failed she sees how powerful groudon can be and how it can all end for her team in an instant yet just okay just showing that is incredible but then she shrugs it off and then continues to battle Brendan because at the end of the day, she's just insane. She's literally crazy. And that's why I, I, like, I love her so much. Like Her character is so well-established. It's so defined. And they're able to communicate that in four minutes. I've never been a huge fan of characters that are just unbalanced. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. I just I just I think those types of portrayals of they're zany because presumably there's something wrong in their head. I don't like setting aside the 
sort of ethical misgivings I have for crafting a character like that. I also just don't find it a very complex way to explain a character's behavior. I think the actor does a very great job on her line readings, and I think the character is communicated what they're I think they communicate well that she is has some sort of mental illness or instability or whatever that doesn't really to me say a lot about her. And I think it's just sort of a pretty lazy, it's always a a lazy thing to me when you just try to make a character interesting by making you like afraid of them because they're quote unquote crazy. That doesn't really mean very much to me. Although I do think that the actor's performance is cool. You, you can say like, Oh, she's just a generic crazy character or they made her zany or they made her weird. But like she sees something that maybe the rest of Team Magma doesn't see. Like she sees the mm-hmm. obvious of just because you release Groudon doesn't mean you can control Groudon. And I think that that is such an important bullet point that Team Magma missed. Yeah, and I think uh, you're right. And I th- about that. And I think that I just wish it leaned more on this is a person who's been fully swept away by cult rhetoric as opposed to this is just a crazy person. Like the former, and I, I realize just like a crazy person is not really a, a great thing to say, but I mean, that's kind of how they're portraying her in that sort of uh, meaningless derogatory way. I, I think the former of this is a person who has been taken by promises of a changed world i think that's a more compelling character and they do some of that and i wish they leaned completely on that as opposed to using mental illness as a crutch to just make a wacky character and i realize this is an explicit mental illness but they're they're trying to evoke like insanity but but don't you think tabitha is that character yeah but this isn't really this Oh, uh, well, I don't know. We don't really get a lot out of Tabitha here other than just someone who's excited to because all Tabitha really does is say, like, <laughs> execute launch sequence. You know, like, like, Tabitha doesn't really do any like you don't like Tabitha is a cool character, but you don't really learn much about Tabitha here. Whereas yeah, I mean, you see, the you character see they're glimpse? focusing on is Courtney. And I wish they actually committed to what they were kind of trying to say with this episode as opposed to just. Let's make a, a a wacky person out of this person that's kind of portrayed as a little bit mentally unstable in Omega Ruby. I mean, all all these people are under the the cult leadership of Magma. Whether you you have all the grunts back there that don't say much, that obviously they're they're subscribed to this this end goal of we're gonna get on the submarine, we're gonna drill this hole, and then we're gonna get Groudon out, we're gonna control Groudon. Which, you're you're right, like, that is your, from point A to point B to point C of standard cult character. And you get a little more with Tabitha, where this person subscribes again to the end goal. They're at a higher level of power than everyone else, because they are Mm -hmm. doing the launch sequence or whatever voice you did there. Yeah. (laughs) They have their stuff together, right? They are almost 
to me, the complete opposite of Courtney, where clearly Courtney is is well trusted and and she is an admin, and I think Tabitha is also an admin, but the difference is Tabitha is not only loyal, is not only everything you are, Courtney, but Tabitha has her head on her shoulders, and that's why she's coming on the sub, or that's why they are coming on the submarine, and you are not. And with without pushing Courtney in the other direction of, okay, one person has their head on these shoulders, the other person doesn't, Obviously, the Pokemon stereotype is let's pick a direction and then push them to the absolute extreme in that direction. Mm-hmm. While it might be like not good or kind of stereotypical to be quote unquote a crazy person or an insane person, I mean, Courtney still knows what she's doing. Yeah, I just see I just see a lot of personality there, and and I would want to see more with her. I mean, they could go down a, a route where it's like. Oh, Courtney's just the character that says something zany, which she kind of did there at the end. But I, but to me, in that four minutes, they really just showed a lot of personality of Courtney, even though some yeah, of it was right. uh, some of it was zany and you know some of it was silly. And that's why I like I liked her so much. And I looked her up and I looked into it and I was like, okay, her name's Courtney. Uh, she was part of the game, of course. Why wouldn't she be? But when they showed Eusine's character. I was already turned off by you seeing just by his like 40 second walk to the burnt <laughs> tower in his oh, clown Lord. outfit. Like it's and, and first impressions mean a lot, but even after seeing that with you seeing, I was just I still had no interest to look in into him. Like I get it, he's you know, chasing Suicune and you know, they showed his childhood stuff and I think episode six did a great job of of you know putting a through line with you seen of this is what he's doing. Like this is your little four minute story of you seen. And my complaint was I would rather have that focus on, on the dogs and the bird, but they definitely put the through line here through Courtney. And I just think it was better executed. It has to do a lot alone with just her facial expressions. And I think that that is a powerful tool that mm-hmm. definitely gets unnoticed and and especially in our slack community when we're having these debates and when we're having these arguments the biggest thing that gets missed through them is their facial people's facial expressions people's body movement and people's tone and that doesn't come through through a text chat but you can have courtney not say anything and just change the expression on her face and you already know what she's feeling and she's thinking and that is not really anything that I felt happened in in episode six. You know, in episode four, you can definitely see the confidence in Dragonite and Lance just by their facial expressions, and I do think that works in that situation. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I just enjoyed this episode so much that it made me look into a little bit more about Ruby and a little bit more about Courtney, and, and yeah. I, and, and if that was... I think it accomplishes the, the goal that it set out to be of expanding the the lore and, you know, filling in gaps, at least with Courtney and with, I don't know, I don't think ever in the game they were like, oh, by the way, this admin that you just beat, she sees her whole group failing and she she doesn't know how to deal with it. So she just keeps doing her job. 
No, that was not exposed in the games. <laughs> I didn't think it was. Uh, Although I, th- I do think she said weird things like, I get to analyze you. Oh, yeah. I yeah. think that actually was said in the game. Yes. Yeah. Which is creepy. Oh, yeah. Definitely. No one's debating that. I, w- I, was, I was thinking about this conversation, what we had. and So what's your overall thoughts before I, I do my last whatever breakdown of this episode? Travis, did you like this one? Did you not? I did. I, I, you know, like I said, it's style over substance, but I'll take that when sometimes with these episodes we're getting neither. I think this is one of the better Pokemon Generations episodes. Will, what are your thoughts on this episode? Uh, it's art. Let's move on. <laughs> A fun, lighthearted romp through the Pokemon universe. I think, uh, so my, my last thing I wanted to mention, because I was thinking about, I was thinking a lot about episode six and what people were saying, because, you know, a lot of people disagreed with what i had to say and then i was like well my thoughts on episode seven is pretty much a a 180 degree difference of like how can steve say he doesn't like characters and then say that you seen is not interesting and then jump to this other side and go all of a sudden i do like characters and i think courtney's interesting and uh, my one wrestling reference per the show that I have to bring up is I think that wrestling does this a lot and before I dive in I want to stress that the wrestling I watch WWE, Raw, Smackdown, all that stuff it's not actually about wrestling it's about characters who in terms ends up wrestling to, debu- <laughs> to dispute the problem they had and there's a there's a there's a tag team on on WWE. So I've been watching for over two years. I used to watch as a kid. I'm watching it now. I've been watching with Irene. There's a tag team on there called the Usos, and they're this Samoan tag team. They're 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 twins. Yeah, Samoans uh, from Panama City, Florida. But sure, go sure, on. sure, right. Character <laughs> development. So Will knows where I'm going. Maybe where I'm going with this. So they're this tag team. They're more aerial they do a lot of a lot of jumps off the top rope they're very flippy they have this face paint because there's twins so one twin paints the left side of their face the other twin paints the right side of their face they have a pretty cool like theme song which again that's a big part of wrestling is how you come out to the ring right people have to like your song they have to like your entrance you have to do something a little special make you stand out but the usos were probably one of the most boring teams to watch which is weird because if they had a good entrance they have a pretty good you know theme slash style like they're twins that face paint like they're pretty easily identable like if you turn on the tv and you follow some while wrestling you know who the usos are in the first two seconds uh and they're good in the ring like their wrestling abilities were good they do a lot of jumpy stuff people like that i hated the usos they were what's considered a face aka known as the good guys uh, and I just thought they were boring to watch. Even if the Usos were wrestling people I liked, it was hard for me to watch because I thought the Usos were so boring. And two weeks ago, they decided we're going to make the Usos bad guys. We're going to change them. Heels. Heels, yes. And they did that by... They took uh, a heel turn, as they say. In, in the, the business. Biz. In the business, they took a heel turn. And how they establish a bad guy is you take two good guys... You put them in the ring together, and then you have one good guy attack the other good guys, and all of a sudden, those people are now bad guys, because we mm-hmm. have to boo the people who are attacking the other team that we like, right? 
and it's it's very easy you have you have the the people you're turning bad attack the good guys who get more more cheers than the other good guys right so it's very easy to establish we're gonna boo those and we're gonna cheer these people and when they made that change and the next night or week or whatever they came out with their new outfits and their new personas i went from two years of hating the usos to then instantly wanting to buy an Uso shirt because I loved the, I love that they're bad guys now. I love that transition of this is who we are. We're no longer the good guys. We're wearing different stuff. We have this different attitude. And really, it almost comes down to just like their facial expressions and their attitude and how they now wrestle slightly differently in the ring. Obviously, they have the same movesets, but because they're bad guys, they're going to cheat a little bit more. They're going to walk away. They're going to be very... It's just all the little things, and it's... And that's what I want in Pokemon, and that's maybe why I didn't like Yusin so much, because I didn't see any character there. I know there is character there. You don't have to tell me that Yusin doesn't have character. I already told you that he's character pure of heart. That's why the feather dropped. But... I got so much character in Courtney in that four minutes that instantly sold me on her personality and want me to know more about her. And again, I followed the Usos for two years and I I know about them. I knew about them. They were boring. And as soon as they made that change, as soon as they flipped that character, I was like, I am sold on this new direction. And that's why I do like certain characters in the, the Pokemon world. Like I like Brock a lot. I like Misty. I like Lance besides the, the, the Pokemon that they gave him. I like Iris a lot because I see a lot. I like Valerie a lot from Generation Six. I even if they haven't given me that, especially in the case of Valerie, they don't have that much on Valerie compared to what they have on like Brock and Misty. There's still something there that it's like I want to know more about you. And so yeah, those are just my thoughts on like there are several ways to define and or give character development to to a character. <laughs> Uh, so yeah that was yeah, I think that's well put thanks that was your generation talk I think we were way more positive than we were last week uh, but yeah I guess if we all like the same thing these would be way shorter episodes <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, so we will take a break and when we come back we will go through these new Pokemon And we are back from our break here. It seems that uh, we got some new Pokemon shown for Pokemon Sun and Moon. And we got two new people actually shown too. So we'll run through these. I I don't know if uh, we'll spend an hour debating uh, how much character they have or not. But, you know, we'll, we'll get more information as we get closer to Sun and Moon. We're We're like a month away. From these games and they showed eight new pokemon two new characters let's start with the first one uh sil valley no corrections uh wait a minute no i'll give you silvally it's really hard to pronounce it is silvally there's no e to make it like valley yeah so it's more like silvally 
Yeah, this is the synthetic Pokemon is the evolution of type Null. This Pokemon changes its type when exclusive items are inserted into the drive on its head. And its somatic cells mutate and grow with different colors of light depending on its type. Silvely has a new ability, RKS system, which this Pokemon, uh, which causes this Pokemon to change type when holding a specific type related items. It also has an exclusive move called multi attack, which is an attack that changes depending on which type item the Pokemon is holding. So I think out of the eight, this is the most interesting one. If you break down the RKS system, uh, it, is, it is three letters that make up Arceus. R-K-E-S. Ah, I never picked I, that up. I didn't either. Wow. How am I that? <laughs> Steve, can you just fire both of us? <laughs> First, I thought Poliwag's nose was, or its mouth was its nose, and now I don't get that something called RKS is Arceus. Isn't that cool? It's yeah. because I never say it out loud. I, I only ever yeah. read these things. You, you guys don't realize, like, the only time I ever talk to other human beings is when we record this program. Uh. <laughs> and when I record my other podcast. That's yeah, like, well, I never speak out loud any other time. Once you say it out loud, uh, it's pretty clear. But yeah, when you read it in your head, you're like, RKS, what is that? Um, but yeah, Arceus is supposed to be Arceus. Uh, that's what, how the movies say it, and I know some people say Arceus, but yeah, Arceus's proper name is Arceus. I'm not, I'm not going to be the one of the person that's correct somebody's Arceus, like Arceus <laughs> is fine. Like Rayquaza, Rayquaza, doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, we've already gotten a little bit of lore that, uh, Type Null was supposed to be an imitation of mythical slash legendary Pokemon. Uh, Silvalli, Savali looks very similar in aspects to Arce- Arceus, but the fact that its ability is the RKS system is, and the fact that it can hold all the different types exactly like Arceus, and the move uh, if it's if if you're putting a grass plate into Silvalli, obviously multi attack will be grass. I think it's I think this this whole concept of humans trying to recreate a mythical Pokemon is probably one of the coolest things uh, to see in a generation. Coolest or most disturbing. A little column A, a little column B. <laughs> oh, I got a cat puking behind me. What is going on with our animals? I know, Sinnoh eats Nothing so because I don't have one because I'm a human and I don't, I don't associate with lesser beings. Alright, next Pokemon is Hakamo-o? Haka- Hakamo-o? I think that's right. It is a dragon fighting type Pokemon. It is the evolution of Jangmo-o. Hakamo-o dance before battle to show their strength, clanging their scales together, a solitary Pokemon that enjoys training alone. Its scales are often torn off, but they grow back nearly immediately. Hakamo'o view the number of lost scales as proof to how ferociously they have fought in battle. They also get bulletproof or soundproof, which are both 
I would consider those pretty cool abilities. They're not super flashy, but they're I think they're pretty cool. What does bulletproof give you? Immunity to moves that are considered balls or bombs or like so you're immune to it's not a very huge list so i'll just list it out acid spray ortosphere barrage bullet seed egg bomb electro ball energy ball focus blast gyro ball ice ball magnet bomb mist ball mud bomb octazuka rock wrecker searing shot seed bomb shadow ball sludge bomb weather ball and zap cannon noticeably absent is bullet punch because it's not actually considered a bullet but yeah, it gives you immunity to those in the same way that Soundproof gives you immunity to sound-related moves, uh, which I'll list as well just for fun. Boom Burst, Bug Buzz, Chatter, Confide, Disarming Voice, Echoed Voice, Grass Whistle, Growl, Heal Bell, Hyper Voice, Metal Sound, no- Noble Roar. What move is Noble Roar? Is that just like Pyroar? Get that? Uh, Parting Shot, Perish Song, Relic Song, Roar, r- Round, Screech, Shadow Panic. I also don't know that one. Uh, sing, snarl, snore, supersonic, and uproar. I mean, look up Shadow Panic. Cause what is that move? Oh, only available in Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness. Thanks, Bulbapedia, for including that. I guess. Uh, the evolution of Ha Hakamo O is Como O O Como O, which is dragon fighting again. Uh, there is a legend that says Como O are covered in glittering scales in order to drive away a great darkness covering the world. This Pokemon can learn a new move, Clanging Scales. When, the, when using this attack, Komo-O scrapes the scales covering its body against one another, attacking with a loud clamor. After using this move, Komo-O's defense is lowered. I actually hate when they do this. They, they, give, you, they give you like this good two to three sentences for a Pokemon like Hakamo'o and then for Komo'o they give you like one sentence and then they're like let me tell you about this move instead of I don't know it's just a minor like no tell me more about this Pokemon like this pseudo legendary that this Pokemon clearly is it's like the Salamence and Dragon Knight of this generation it's kind of like a dragon rattlesnake yeah it's cool I, I like this I like this line a lot yeah uh, next Pokemon we have is Steeny. Steeny? Yeah. It's so cute. Uh, the fruit yeah, Pokemon. Steeny is the evolution of Bounsweet. The calyx on this Pokemon's head is very hard, and Steeny attacks by smacking its opponent with it, combined with kicks from its tough legs. This Pokemon's fragment frag rinse is even more delectable. Then that of Bonsuite. Uh, I talked about this at the PAX live show that, you know, Bonsuite is a specific type of fruit uh, that I can't think of off the top of my head. Wait, Bonsuite's a mangosteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. That's why Steeny ends with Steen. Steen oh, look at that. There you go. Uh, you can still see that uh, that fruit in its, like, core shape. And that stays there with... Uh, Sarine? Sarina. Sarina. I know the T and the S are supposed to be like a that that kind of noise. Yeah. I'm glad we're all in our snake cosplay for this. Only the strongest of Steeny Steenies are are, uh, able to evolve into Sarina. 
Is that what we're saying, Serena? Yeah, yeah I guess. It's it's like the like in it's in like Russia, Serena Williams. No, like in Russia, the old the old leaders of Russia were the Tsar and the Tsarina. Oh, it's like that. Oh, I didn't get that. I was just thinking it's. Oh, it sounds like the name Serena, but that, that's I didn't catch that. That's that's cool. I'm glad you said that. Travis, I, can you please try to keep up? A very <laughs> noble Pokemon, Travis. Serena, hey, I didn't you even get RKS system. <laughs> so you expect me saying. to get? I'm so Zarina. glad. That I was, this is like the first time in history I have blown both of your minds at once. <laughs> Let this go on record. <laughs> a very... it'll, become a, it'll become a holiday. <laughs> a very noble Pokemon, Serena uses their strength to protect and rule over Bonsuite as their queen. This also reaffirms uh, Will's Russian. Uh, naming invention. This Pokemon attacks with very powerful, majestic kicks and uses powerful fragrances to mesmerize its opponents. I almost lost it there. Some Serena have the new exclusive... Some? Why some? Why not all? Uh, have an exclusive new ability, Queenly Majesty which prevents opponents from using priority moves. This would be like your Aqua Jet, your Sucker Punch, your... Help me out, Travis. Your priority attack, moves. Extreme Speed, Bullet Punch. Yeah, there's a lot of them. So, so uh, Shadow want, Sneak. Do you want me to tell you why only some Serena can have Queenly Majesty? Yeah, yeah, lay it on me. Leaf Guard. Uh, because, and this was some debate between me and Greg, because we were concerned whether Zarina would be male and female or female only. Only the female uh, Zarina will have Queenly Majesty, and the male Zarina will have Leaf Guard. Oh, okay. I object. <laughs> well, I agree as well, because I actually continued that argument by saying, like, I could be a queen, but mm -hmm. uh, I don't think the Pokemon universe is ready to go there. Yeah, we're... Yeah. Unfortunately, that's true. Next Pokemon. Should, but they're not ready for it. They're, they're... We, we have to usher... The Pokemon world into ba the true steps. queenly majesty that is having <laughs> a male Serena have queenly majesty. Ribombi got it in one. I'm getting I'm getting all these in one, guys. Doing pretty good. I'm doing all right. Ribombi is the evolution of Cutiefly. This Pokemon collects flower, nectar, and pollen to make into balls known as pollen puffs. Which it can then launch as its opponent in in battle. Some of the pollen puffs that Riombi Ribombi make also have relaxing effects that can relieve tiredness. These pollen puffs are distrib distributed all over the Alola region. I'm uh, sure we'll get one more evolution off this, but they did not show it here. Uh, finally, we have our two Alolan Pokemon. We have Alolan Grimer. Yeah. And Alolan before we get Muck. there, can I can I just say that Cutie Fly and Rabambi are my favorite line of the new, uh, at least of the Pokemon that have been announced. I think they're both fatally cute, and it's amazing. <laughs> they're cool. Yeah, I like them a lot. Alolan Grimer, Poison Dark, which I think uh, Grimer was just poison to begin with. Correct. Okay. As the population of Alola region increased, dealing with garbage became a serious problem. As a solution, 
Grimer were imported from other regions and fed <laughs> primarily on garbage so that their body comp- composition changed, as did their form. What appears to be teeth in the Pokemon's mouth are fact residual residual toxins from the garbage it eats, which have hardened and crystallized. There are more than a hundred Alolan Grimer in Alolan's garbage processing plants. An Alolan Muck is also poison dark. Alolan Muck Muck evolves from Alolan Grimer. Fun fact. The muck in the Alola region produce and store their toxins within their bodies. Unlike muck, muck in other regions, you won't detect any unpleasant aromas when you draw one near. Alolan muck has the same poisonous crystals as Alolan Grimer, but they are all over the surface of its body. Alolan muck uses them to attack just like Pokemon use their fangs or claws. They didn't really explain why you don't smell an Alolan muck. No, I guess not. I don't. No. Really, uh, I don't really. I'm not really sold by these Alolan forms. I like a lot of the Alolan forms, but these ones don't really do it for me. Oh, I like these two a lot. Oh, I like Muck yeah, a lot. It's really good. Ah, yeah, I like that he's like a toxic rainbow. I think that's it fun. It has all the colors. Then they they go down its body like <laughs> a, a beautiful. <laughs> I'm a, I'm chocolate a, fountain of color. I'm a, I'm a sucker for bright colors. Uh, so can I point out a weird detail? Yeah. According to what I'm, which isn't the same like press release. I'm just reading the Bulba News article. Apparently, or maybe it's in the trailer too. It uses crunch, which Muck does specifically. And currently, Muck doesn't learn crunch. So that might imply that Alolan Pokemon have different learn sets as they level up, which I guess I should have already made that conclusion based on whatever that, whatever Alolan Raichu's special signature move is. But but I guess that struck me as just like a special case because Pikachu is a special case, so therefore Alolan Raichu would be too. But the fact that Alolan Muck gets crunch either means they're changing Muck's Learn set generally in the next generation, or no, it's specifically because it's got the moves. it's got the little rocks on it. So that yeah, that's do that's things what, like that. That's what I that's what I thought. So that's interesting, and I hadn't really considered that they would do much with that other than maybe like signature moves of the Lolan Raichu. So I think that's cool. Yeah, and the, the reason you don't detect any unpleasant aromas when you draw near a Lolan Grimer or Muck is because. They produce and store their toxins within their bodies. The the regular Grimers and Mucks just kind of leak that stuff all over the place. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, we got two new characters that will appear in Sun and Moon, uh, introducing Olivia and Lima? I think that's a capital I at the beginning, so I think it's Ilima. Ilima, got it. Yeah, there's like, yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, so Olivia is a kahuna of the a- Akala Island. The second island you will visit uh, along your island challenge. She is extraordinary skilled and has sev- and has served as a kahuna since a very young age. Although highly skilled, she insists that she is just a normal girl. And Ilima is a graduate of trainer school and an expert in normal type Pokemon. Captain Ilima is considered a hero by the students of his former school. Did they say that he was a Kahuna too? I feel like my press release doesn't he's say a, that. He's a um, 
one of the captains, whatever the the, oh. anyway, the trial captains. He's one of those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a there was also a couple outlets that got to play Sun and Moon early. They talked about seeing some uh, new Alolan Pokemon within the first two hours, but they couldn't say who it was. It could easily possibly be Alolan Grimer since this came out after they played. Yeah. Uh, they said for the most part, gyms were gone and the the Kahuna's challenges, the trial challenges were the replacements. Mm. They said a couple other things, but, you know we've already run long and so we can we can probably break those down next week especially if you know pokemon doesn't show us another you know 30 new pokemon Pokemon. i know (laughs) oh my gosh not that i'm complaining it's giving us stuff to talk about anything about olivia or uh ilima that you want to talk about um there was some discussion that i saw about olivia's clothing and yeah i saw that it's she's too scantily clad and whatever but professor kukui is just as gazy i mean yeah has got ripped abs and his shirt open i think we need to stop being embarrassed and ashamed about the human form and celebrate it for what it is you know what's funny is when i saw olivia uh i thought of irene right away um spoiler irene is black uh if you guys didn't know that uh is that what a spoiler is yeah yeah i broke it down is the the plot of like, like, are you spoiling the plot of Irene right now? Yeah, yeah, yes. I'm spoiling the plot of my relationship that it's interracial. But I like <laughs> Irene is a very, very, very big fan of uh, black women that you know are successful. That's why she likes the show. Uh, what's that show? Scandal. She likes Scandal a lot, right? You know, Olivia. I think it's Olivia Pope. You know, main uh, I, character. I think uh, How to Get Away with Murder is the one that. Uh, uh, well, both of them. The yeah. Definitely both of them. But you're right. She likes both shows. So when I saw Olivia, I, I, you know, took a screenshot. I sent it to her and she instantly fell in love. And it wasn't even a conversation of like, oh, I think Olivia's wearing not enough clothes or that, that they try to make her too sexy. And I don't want to step on anyone's toes and I don't want it to sound weird, but like. There is a world and a universe where certain women like to dress and look sexy. Like, that is not weird. Yeah, the, I would, so, just a little background, the, the concept of the male gaze, as we currently, as we apply it to media, that's a film theory term from film theorist Laura Mulvey. And she's specifically, she's not talking, like, the idea of the male gaze is not just that a lot of female characters don't have a lot of clothes on in media. Like, that's not really grasping it. The idea of the male gaze is that in a lot of media, you're seeing through the camera, you're you're watching and I'm using those terms because the the term originates in film. The the even though you're watching through a camera, which is supposedly neutral, um, the system is predominantly straight men in this system, at least, especially at the time of that discussion. I mean, as most things have, it's it's been getting better, but and so the idea is that the result is that the camera's perspective is 
going to be more often the perspective of a straight male audience member, and thus it's going to make male characters seem like the strong and active hero, and women or like female characters end up looking like the passive sexual object. And so for me, I wouldn't go as far as to say that that purely having characters that are scantily clad is in and of itself bad. It's when that is done in conjunction with turning that person into a sex object that I would constitute as an example of the male gaze. I think you can have powerful, active, fully formed characters that don't have a lot of clothes on. I think you're getting into your, your, you might be getting into rough territory because you (laughs) run the risk of, of making a character that ends up a little gazy and often that happens, but I don't necessarily feel like that's the case here. Maybe. And I mean, it's just one person's opinion, but um, I think this is, this I would present this as a case of a character who is scantily clad, but is not an example of the male gaze, even though I tend to be the person who's pointing out gaze in 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 media. I'm the annoying person who's always pointing out that sort of thing. I don't think this is a very strong example of that. Yeah. And I want, I want to back up and 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 say that when I did show the Cyrene and I did talk to her. I, I specifically asked the questions of, what do you think about this character? And she was like, I'm really excited. I like her a lot. And then I was like, what do you think about her outfit? And Irene's response was, oh, sh- it's really cute. Mm-hmm. Like, I like it a lot. And then it was like, do you think that she's trying to be too sexy? Does this like bother you? And Irene's response was like, no, she, it's a really cute outfit. She looks really good. Like, she looks like a interesting character. It was never the the conversation in Slack that I saw of, Oh, this character's kind of too sexy, and this uh, and r- like it sounds like I could easily get the flack of oh you're a male saying that, but like I mean I I, I specifically talked to Irene about that because I did want to address that on here and this and again I watch wrestling so I see nothing but shirtless men and and uh, women come out looking as good as they want to be and like they they do want to look good that's that's. It, there's there's a world where people want to look really good or to wear as least clothing as possible and that's okay like that's why like uh miss universe or miss usa exists like those people want those those women my my mistake those women want to look good and i just think it's silly to you know again what to piggyback off what travis says is like Olivia is not a good example or not the the horse people should be riding in like she, she just seems fine. She doesn't have as much clothes as like the the women grunts that we've seen but you know that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. Uh, maybe something will change my mind, you know, maybe she has even less clothes as as the story progresses. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, it all it all depends on the portrayal like is is and it all depends on whether this whether it looks you know there there's is it that we're like you know because i mean there's also there are also cases where you could in some ways describe a character as like a strong female character and yet they still feel like an example of the male gaze because even though they're 
they're doing these things and they're active in their story, they still end up being turned into a passive sex object by like gross, like panty shots or something like that, that they're still turned into passive sex objects, even if they're active in the context of the story. So it, it all depends on how this character is executed from what we've seen. I don't think it's a very good example of the male gaze. And I would also go, I would also say that I wouldn't go so far as to say that there's nothing culturally wrong with Miss America or Miss USA. I think, I think there are probably a lot of, of discussions we could have about, about. Yeah, totally. Totally. (laughs) You're absolutely right. We can go down that. That's a whole other topic. That's a whole can of cultural poison. I just want to, I just want to end on this. There was, there was a lot of, uh, you know, those up and I can't, this is a podcast doesn't work. Those like up and I, up and down eyes for Professor Sycamore, if you know what I'm saying. Eyebrows. Yeah, Eyebrows. He, he was a babe. He's very cute. I would also, though, say that, that I wouldn't, he's not, he's also not a gazy character. He's just an attractive one. He's. Yeah, yeah, oh, it, totally. I mean, the, the V-neck, though, you know, leads you to your imagination. I, yeah, I guess. The, I, I, guess I could show you some, uh, some Tumblr yeah, sites. Yeah, I was going to say. Art stuff. Tumblr <laughs> loves Sycamore, and they love Sycamore with no clothes. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think Sycamore is a good-looking guy. Uh, okay, I think that's, uh, that's all we have here here for the new stuff uh there was uh all right so the email i have is from shareable texas i actually have a lot of emails but i wanted to bring up this one just because it's uh, based off the last conversation we just had and based off the conversation we had last week uh, shareable texas writes in and just just wanted to say that will handled the discussion of brony slash populo's gender questioning very well i totally get where spj is coming from but we do have to move away from labeling things such as feminine or masculine so that people can identify with the gender of their choosing without anticipating rejection spj again you were extremely respectful but i wanted to chime in as this is a very timely issue in our country and it's a great thing that pokemon has us discussing it i'm a long time listener and wanted to tell you guys tell you guys what I like about the podcast, uh, Mazes and Magikarps in particular, in regards to D&D, the humor, improv, and Pokemon lore is what does it for me. I tend to check out during combat, but as soon as Logan yeah, or Travis... Yeah, two of us and I'm <laughs> participating in it. As soon as Logan and Travis make a joke, I'm all in. Please keep those as a regular and have SBJ return at some point. Thank you guys for making this podcast. It is not only a great source of entertainment and news, but also for creating an open community where we are not confined to the limits of Pokemon discussion, but rather lifted by it. The fact that you guys are willing to talk about so many different things separates you guys from the other popular niche nerd outlets. Peace, guys. Shareable Texas. Look at that. That, so, that feels good. Self-esteem <laughs> building. I, that was a, a nice. I, I appreciate that feedback. The one comment that I would provide as feedback to the feedback is often avoid using words around choice when referring to gender and sexuality and prefer to use terms around identity. So it's the gender that somebody identifies as, not that they've chosen, because chosen means that they could choose something else when something you identify as takes it outside of the realm of choice and is more of uh, an emotional and 
part of your their actual well you know your identity is what you are it's not what you've chosen to be it's what you actually are so that's more respectful respectful way to address those types of terms or topics did i make any sense there oh yeah yes you okay. you said that better than i could ever say anything i mean i can barely speak and say pokemon names let alone try to say what you just said not that i'm saying i, I disagree with you i completely agree with you uh yeah so uh, did we already say that i have a crush on Ilima? no <laughs> well there it is there it is there it is yeah i appreciate the email uh when I do the podcast, when I say the points, I say it, it is never ever to offend or or make anyone feel bad. I I am the first to admit that I have very strong opinions uh, in in certain discussions, as as we learned from uh, the Courtney conversation earlier and the Eusine conversation last week. But I would I would not in any way not have these conversations because I do think they're important. And I, I do like that Travis and will have such amazing input when it comes to that stuff. Uh, obviously that is not my, my forefront. That is not something I'm an expert <laughs> in, uh, but uh, you know what they, what they have to say. It, it, I might uh, disagree with, with their Pokemon viewpoints, but uh, in, in this aspect, I totally agree with what they have to say. And I think bringing it up is, is worth the discussion. Uh, and the fact that you, that the email was sent in, uh, reaffirmed that, like, I'm glad we had that conversation. Uh, hopefully that doesn't turn away, turn away anyone, uh, that maybe doesn't care or doesn't want to care. But I feel like, uh, in everyone's life that, that, that situation may arise and it's just good to have a little knowledge than not to have the knowledge. And, and being forthright enough to have that conversation i feel like is good you know, in a lot of episodes when we talk about things like this you'll notice that i or maybe steve cuts it out but i i pause a lot more because i'm trying to <laughs> on the spot find all of the the best words to use and i i, I never am very satisfied with the words i end up choosing and i always feel like i say the the wrong thing and that used to bug me a lot the fact that i'm on this show and sometimes i don't say the right thing sometimes i say something that would be interpreted the wrong way but I, i've come to realize it's more important to have a conversation at the risk of maybe accidentally saying something you you shouldn't as long as you're you're genuine about it and you're you're trying to have a conversation i think that's important and the 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 fact that Pokemon is you know doing what they're doing, you know with with Tabitha that we talked about earlier, with the Brony Populo thing that we had last week, with all the other references in the Pokemon world, uh, I think sometimes we forget how closed-minded the Japan culture is to stuff like this. Uh, yeah, and I only say that because when Andrew came from Japan and he he stopped in Milwaukee and we spent the night together and he was really, you know, telling me how like stuff like that in Japan just doesn't go over well or it, it's pushed aside or it's hidden a lot and and we joked earlier about the baby se baby steps of 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 the Pokemon Company and and what they're doing, but really. They are so far ahead of the rest of the rest of Japan and how they treat issues like this that that it that even though it it might seem slower or it might be might seem like baby steps like it is 
a lot further along than a lot of <laughs> Japanese. Uh, That's a very good point. Yeah. Right. Just look at a game like Final Fantasy, uh, and I'll let you, I'll let you guys break that down. But that is a game that is kind of opposite of Pokemon when it comes to those terms uh, or those uh, those situations. Um, by the way, I'm playing Final Fantasy 14. You can play on PC or PS4. We got a. <laughs> uh, anything else you guys have? Nope. Uh, are we still doing Pokemon of the week? Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Let's. You know, I'll I'll toss it over to you. You can do your move set. I'll read uh read about the shiny, and then we'll wrap it up. This move set comes to us from a combined effort of a lot of folks in the Pokemon of the Week Slack channel. I'll just give first names in case people want to have their anonymity kept. Although a lot of these, I know there's there's definitely multiple Andrews and I think multiple Brandons, so this doesn't mean much. But this is a collaboration between Andrew, Brandon, Mark, Gabe, and Kevin. So a lot of folks. Wait, so now I get to give their last names in no particular <laughs> order and then people have to guess? I don't think that's how it works. What, what the first and last names go together? I don't know. Let's just talk about Sceptile. <laughs> I, I'm this, pretty sure Mark is in Australia. I'm I'm going to guess that much. Yes. Okay. This is a moveset for Sceptile, which is our Pokemon of the week. Interesting. Uh, I expected to get just a pretty typical Mega Sceptile set when I threw out that Pokemon at the beginning of this episode. But instead, they came up with a pretty cool Unburdened set for regular subtile what are you non-mega subtile classic subtile unburden is a very cool ability that doubles your speed when your item has been either used in the case of like flying gem or something like that or if it's i believe it also triggers if it's taken away by something like thief what we're going to do here is give Septile the move Leaf Storm, which is a very strong special grass type move that lower that sharply lowers your special attack after using it, very similar to Draco Meteor, but grass. And we're going to give it the item White Herb because white herb is an item that will proc will will trigger when your stats are lowered the pokemon will consume the white herb and the stats will no longer be lowered and so not only do you get to use leaf storm for free without its disadvantage once you also trigger unburden at that point and you double your speed the rest of the set is a mixed sweeper set because septile has not great attack, but decent enough and a decent enough move in the form of Earthquake, which gives coverage to a lot of types that Grass and Dragon don't. So I guess not Dragon because it's not Mega Subtile. I shouldn't have said that. Um, but you are still going to use Dragon Pulse just because it is nice against, other, against Dragons. Um, and then Earthquake is good for good for coverage um so your your four moves are leaf storm giga drain dragon pulse and earthquake and then the 
EVs, the, the, the nature they recommend is, um, where did that go? Uh, is hasty. And then the EVs are going to be max in speed and then splitting up between special attack and attack, probably 152 in special attack and 100 in attack would be a place to start. But generally with mixed sets like that, where you don't know how much to invest in the two attacks, it's best to figure out exactly which Pokemon you want to be able to one hit KO and then find a damage calculator online and see how much EV investment you need in those two stats and determine it that way, as opposed to making an arbitrary decision like I did. Um, I think that's it. Cause we covered item ability four moves nature. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. I think it should be, I think it would prove to be a pretty cool set. Unburdened is a very fun ability. So it was a cool, pretty creative set from all these folks in the Pokemon of the week. Slack channel. Sweet. Sweet, sweet, sweet. All right. So your shiny septile is going to be uh your shiny septile is going to be more of a teal uh than a green. And instead of the yellow Christmas ornaments on its back, it has red Christmas ornaments on its back. And then of course when you mega evolve it, you get the luxurious Christmas tree that is Mega Septile. <laughs> mega Septile has the highest special attack in speed stat. Of all base stat total grass type Pokemon. Mega Sceptile also has the highest speed stat of all dragon type Pokemon. Just a reminder that Mega Sceptile is dragon grass. Uh, Sceptile has the lowest HP base stat of all fully evolved starter Pokemon. Hmm. And uh, there you go. It's uh, based off a Dilophosaurus. Sure. That's it. Dinosaurs. There you go. And Sceptile was uh, in uh, episode 7 of Generations with uh, good old Courtney. So that has been our episode for you guys. We're approaching 250 in like 9, 11 more episodes, I think. 12 more episodes. So we're, we'll get there. We also have some, uh, we have like 30 days left. 31, 32 days left for Pokemon Sun and Moon. So we'll be gearing up for that. Hopefully you guys are too. Travis on Twitter is at the Travis W. Will yep. is at Wash in the Sink, and I am at Dragging a Lake. If you want to follow the podcast at Twitter, just at Pokemon Podcast. Thank you so much for making it through this episode and listening. I know our episodes have been like two hours long, but uh, we have a great time doing them. Hopefully, you guys have a great time listening to them because uh, the last couple of weeks, I feel like we've been on a roll with just good after good episodes. So. Hopefully you enjoy that. Uh, final note before we go is uh, if you haven't done so already, please leave us a review in iTunes. We are at like 650 and I would love, 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 love to get to 700 before the end of 2016. So thank you so much for the couple that came in last week. Much appreciated. Uh, and then, of course, we'll do an email show uh, as soon as Pokemon news dies down here. But uh, yeah, otherwise, this has been another episode of the Pokemon Podcast. And we are... Super, Super Pokemon Sun and Moon demo comes out on October 18th.
Do you like motorcycles, card games, explosions, board games, Mexican food, video games, music, cats, the weird and the unusual, wrestling? Go check out hashtag Drunk on Tacos over at DrunkOnTacos.com or on Facebook, Facebook.com slash DrunkOnTacos or even on Instagram at at sign because that's how Instagram works like Twitter. Uh, Drunk on Tacos. All the same thing. DrunkOnTacos.com If you like that stuff, they are a proud supporter of It's Super Effective and we thank them for their patronage. Hey there, Pokemon Podcast listeners. Do any of you play Minecraft? Did you know that you can play Pokemon on Minecraft with a mod, Pixelmon? Join the Pixelmon server that cares about bringing you the best Pokemon experience out there at play.journeygaming.com. Journey Gaming has four different Pokemon servers themed after the regions Hoenn, Sinnoh, Kanto, and Johto. Check out their website at journeygaming.com or jump right into Pixelmon Experience on their server at play.journeygaming.com. I want to give a shout out to Pure underscore Riddle for this sponsorship over at journeygaming.com. Thank you so much for supporting It's Super Effective. <laughs> 